Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. I am Sykes and this is my podcast. Now before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode with Nate of Spacefish. If you are one of the people who listened to that conversation, I hope you enjoyed it and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Today on the show, we got my friend Brendan from the band William Forrest. For those of you who don't know Brendan or his band, strap in. Because, you know, as things go, usually with Start the Beat, you're going to learn a lot about Brandon, and you're going to learn a lot about his band, and about what he does outside of his band, and how he got into playing in a band, and just, you know, the kind of stuff that Brendan's into. This is the Brendan Hour. <laughs> what if I renamed Start the Beat to the Brendan Hour, and every single episode was about you, Brendan? I'm assuming you're listening to this. You have to be. You're curious. You want to know how your podcast went. I'm telling you right now, every single episode is just going to be about you. Maybe. I don't know. Let me know what you think about that. But anyways, before I go off into too much of a bullshit tangent, let's just get on with the episode. Sit back, relax, and let's start the motherfucking beat. I'll do that later. Right. Yada, yada, yada. But we had a really good conversation going. Yes. About being an independent artist and getting (laughs) your song in a TV show or a movie or a commercial and blowing up from that, much like whoever the band is that the, the, the stranger the band things that does the stranger things theme song and score yeah yeah i don't <laughs> that know, band I yeah don't, i don't know what they're called i don't know apparently it's four people i saw a picture of them on Bandcamp. Yeah. i didn't know it took it's, four people to do that stuff <laughs> yeah <laughs> i mean if if you watch the synth covers on youtube though like you have dudes that are playing like an array like a guy with like a profit 08 oh yeah and a beat maker and his Moog Taurus. Oh, well, yeah. Like, and you're like, oh, okay. Like, I see how four people well, can sure. do that. I, I guess, <laughs> well, I mean, electronic, I think that's a problem, too, is whenever we think of electronic music now, we think of it being backtracked right. so much. A guy and but a computer. A lot yeah. of it is very layered. And if you yeah. wanted to 100% organically <laughs> perform an electronic piece live, right. chances are you would need three or four dudes yeah. on keyboards to, like, get Hang every out. layer <laughs> down. Yeah. So, like... You do music. Yes. Right. I do music. I think you do music. That's a th- <laughs> I, th- I think you've I seen think, me do music before. I think we've done music together. I think we I think events. we've done music at events together. Yeah. Yeah, it has happened. <laughs> so, if you could have your music affiliated with any product. Oh god. Uh, I mean, what would you do? Oh man, that's hard. I would see like I know my answer is different than probably the other guys of the band, but like I would love to do like 
one of those really weird fashion campaigns. Okay. That's like a short film of like dudes and girls walking on the beach topless in jeans. And there's just like this off-putting music that makes no sense whatsoever to the situation. Like that would be really ideal for me. Other than that, like, I, I don't know. It would be tough to like, like I'm thinking, trying to think about commercials that I see and it's hard for me to do because with the the coming of the internet and like we don't have cable at our place anymore because like we watch netflix we watch youtube yeah and like the ads that you see on netflix or youtube are like really weird or for mcdonald's no it yeah it's starting to fuck with me because like actually this like conversation is like really relevant to my train (laughs) of thought recently because there do you know k filet uh mc pseudo producer i guess i think she makes her own music i think i'm not too sure about that i know she used to i don't know how involved she is in that anymore but she's like a a rapper singer songwriter type and she just put out a new song and it was like premiered as part of a trailer for some tv show gotcha and it's like listening to the song i'm like this song was written to be in a commercial yeah because it doesn't sound like anything else that she's done Right. And it just sounds like so formulated for a commercial. Yeah. I was like, I wonder if and that's like a thing that uh like her managers or her team were like, We got this in, we gotta make <laughs> something for a commercial. Right. And yeah, and I mean even just like thinking about labels and thinking about like commercializing your music, like there are things that certain labels can tell certain musicians. It's like this is what you can do and this is what you can't do. And so if you really start thinking about like specializing or like commercializing your music, it's like in a lot of ways, unless you're innovating and creating like a new genre that people are going to listen to, you're going to end up falling into all these weird categories that are like, this is what you can do. This is what you can't do. Yeah. Which is, I mean, that's as much as like, I want to say that I just want to be signed and like get the big paycheck and whatever. Like that's a liberty that we have as musicians independently right now to just do whatever the hell we want. I mean, no one's telling us that we can't do something right now because maybe maybe it's cuz no one cares enough yet, but like yeah, I'm okay with that on that aspect of it. It's awesome that we all have the ability to self-distribute to the world and yeah. have such an easy access point <laughs> to do it. But the thing that we're fighting and the problem is the way people receive music. Right. I think that a lot of people now are digesting music as background noise, as that thing that's like, oh, I see this commercial. What's that song? (laughs) That sounds interesting. But if they see a link to just your song that you posted, they may not want to watch it. If it's like on Bandcamp or SoundCloud, like people, I don't know what the stigma is with Bandcamp. I don't understand it. But like the minute that we started putting stuff on Spotify, it was like we were somehow validated. Like we would tell people that we were on Spotify and they're like, Oh, you're on Spotify? <laughs> and I'm like I'm like, Yeah. But like it's pretty much the same as being on Bandcamp. It's just we uploaded our songs to this different website that uploaded them to Spotify for us. And it's that's a weird thing. And I know buddies and bands of ours have talked to me about that too, where it's like, Yeah, we're on Spotify and all of a sudden people are like, Oh my god, you're on Spotify. That's crazy. Yeah, no, I have noticed that as well, too. A lot of people will ask me if they can get my... It's The conversation has switched. <laughs> Not conversation, but 
the uh, the vocabulary. Right. It's changed from is your music available online to right. is it on Spotify? Yeah. For a while, people used to ask if it was on iTunes. But right now, nobody, no, nobody really asks if it's on iTunes because no. everybody is using Spotify or and people are afraid of change. So I think that's the thing. Yeah. Even though Bandcamp's new, Bandcamp to the common person is like, right. I don't really know what this is. I don't want to download yeah. Bandcamp on my phone, even though you don't have to. Right. But I kind of like Bandcamp in a lot of ways. I mean, it's all we got. It's well, yeah. That, honestly, that's why I really like Bandcamp. It is all we got for like 100% DIY. Get your music right out for free with no royalty charges yeah. whatsoever. That's yeah. That's that, it. that's that's all we got. Yeah, because SoundCloud is good for DJs and things like that. Right, but and some like weird like some particular demographics of music <laughs> do good with SoundCloud, but I don't think rock is it yeah not to like throw you under the bus <laughs> as a rock band but i mean you got gu- guitars bass and right, drums right, right. not no, many yeah. you got some bleeps and bloops you got some keyboards <laughs> but you know you're at your core yeah. it's a rock band yeah so i don't think soundcloud is a good platform for rock music it's and yeah it's hard to think about why and even just looking at the way that perceived commercialized musician musicians are changing things like i am a huge frank ocean fan i okay. love channel orange and so like every other huge frank ocean fan all like two billion of us i'm waiting on pins and needles for this new album that's like never coming out or it is coming out and the hype that is being created by just the fact that he has not released this album yet is insane to think about it is insane and it's also kind of annoying to me as an outsider, because this like mirrors in some sort of a way the last Kanye West album, as far yeah. as like it's coming out, it's not. I could do what I want because these files are just sitting <laughs> in in a private folder, and all I got to do is unclick it. And like, I'm not a big Kanye West fan, and I'm not a huge Frank Ocean fan either. I don't have anything against them. It's just not my couple yeah, music. Yeah. So just being on the outside of someone that's not really looking forward to this, but hearing stories about it and hearing like from people who are fans of these people. Right. Like it's just like just cut the shit. Drop the fucking album, please. Yeah. It, it's obnoxious and, and to me. It's as I get it. Right. It's I'm curious to see I think when the album does come out, I'm curious to see what the validation for all the delay is. Like, if there's no validation in the album, like, if I'm like, oh, he wrote this three years ago. Well, how would you know there was validation, though? That's the thing. Because, see, how I'm taking it is that there was so, after the Orlando shooting happened, he posted a really eloquently, beautifully written thing on his face, on his Tumblr, about how he's felt demonized before for being a man who is openly bisexual and how he could relate to that. And I think partially that I, I'm not sure the album is done, honestly. Like, I think he might, he's been quoted before in the past as saying that he felt that he needed to go through some stuff before he could write another album. So I think he might still be going through stuff. There still but, might be like a couple tracks yeah. that aren't finished that he's working on and finishing. And, but why announce <laughs> it? It just seems so like amateur. It, there's other ways to like uh announce that you have something coming out. Yeah. 
and you he know? could yeah you know I'd s- drop a single with the video <laughs> and Someday, then yeah. and then you know six months later an album comes out that's fine and i was i was actually i was kind of all right with the waiting until i heard the new bon Iver. bon Iver just dropped two songs yeah i heard about that um and he just dropped them and he announced the album's coming out the 30th and he did this thing it's a festival that he has in euclairs wisconsin which is like his hometown essentially he and the Na- a guitar player from the band the national throw this festival and he debuted the entire album at his set at this festival and the two songs that he dropped were incredible i mean they're like they're totally different than his old stuff but they they retain the things that i think people love about him and i it takes away a little bit of that artist pretension from him because he's sure he's like whatever i I took (laughs) my time I wrote and recorded this album, got everything ready. Okay, and now I'm giving. Now it to it's you. time to <laughs> do the releasing thing. It's like step right. by step, not instead of like yeah, hopping of, back and forth between different processes. And I don't know if it's maybe it's a a problem with like Frank's market. He feels that like hip hop and rap music, it's this surprise release thing is like a big thing now. And like hype beast. Well, it is. is. I know a lot of people are into that. It definitely is, but I. It could get ridiculous. I mean, like, I think, you that, could. I think that that's like a downfall of, cause I know Frank Ocean is essentially still an independent artist, right? Right. Well, he, Def Jam, he's signed to Def Jam, but I think he's allowed to do whatever he wants. No, I think that's kind of the same deal with Kanye West, where it's like, you know, he oh, yeah, Kanye. just has full control over everything yeah. that he does. So I don't imagine, I imagine someone like Bonnie Vare and that group being more kind of, wrangled into a game plan rather than being right. like the one man show that yeah. can make these like decisions in the middle of the night like oh i'm not gonna release it now <laughs> and nobody's gonna say no right yeah and the other thing about bon Iver is that he kind of said that bon Iver was done two years ago and then he came to a realization he didn't talk about it publicly he was just like uh, he was just out and decided that he still had music to make and he's now making that music and i like that that slight beauty that he just came to the realization that he has music to make and so he's just going to keep making music that he doesn't feel like he's got this to build something up you know what yeah. i mean it's just like he has it and I would like – that's – I mean, I would much rather think of myself as having it. You know what I mean? And being like, I'm always going to be able to write music. I'm always going to be able to evolve instead of thinking like, oh, God, like I'm going to need to age 10 years before I can write something. And that's another way I'm looking at it now. And I'm I'm now getting very confused about the Frank Ocean. <laughs> I just – I want the Frank Ocean album to release. Bottom line. That's what I want. I mean, Channel Orange felt like that was like, what, four or five years ago that, that came four out? Four years ago. <laughs> Yeah, that was definitely some time. Yeah, that's a long time. That's a very, very long time. It doesn't take that long to write songs. But, I mean, that's subjective. That That is subjective. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I, it, you shouldn't, I shouldn't say that. Who knows? <laughs> so, with you and kind of going back to um, your life outside of music. Yeah. Because you have one. I, I do. So. I don't know much about it. <laughs> But I can assume some things given a couple context clues okay. throughout this conversation okay. and slight internet stalking okay. sap- or just happening to see things. <laughs> so 
whenever I asked you about what type of commercial you would want or thing you would want your music to be in, you mentioned like a fashion thing. Yeah. And I also noticed online that you work at Avalon. I do. So, and you've always seemed to be a well-dressed human being <laughs> since I've known you. Thank you. I appreciate it. So that. I have a feeling that this is something that you're into. It's, it is. <laughs> and it's, you know, like, I don't, I don't know. The clothes thing is weird for me too, because people are like, why do you like clothes? I'm like, I don't know. Like I do. It's, um, but working at Avalon has been interesting because it's, it's sort of been like a full integration. Like I worked corporate retail for a year in high school going into college. Like, yeah. I didn't like it at all. It was terrible. And like, I had like this really downtrodden look at the, the fashion world. And I was like, oh, okay, screw all that. Like, like from like, like, like a punky snotty kind of look attitude or, it, but it wasn't based from the punky snotty. It was just like truly seeing the process of corporate fashion is like so gross okay. and disgusting and like greed driven and insane. And it was, so now I'm working with used clothes and like, that's totally different. Like we're customer driven and I'm learning a lot about brands and things that people consume and things that people don't want to consume in that marketplace, which is very different and it's very economically minded. But I'm also learning that I am really interested in the art behind fashion because I don't think I can do it. <laughs> like, like I can't really draw and like I definitely can't sew well enough to do it. But I really love like high quality fabrics and people that are producing clothes in very small batches and things that are really hard to attain. And maybe that goes back to the hype thing. Maybe it goes back to Kanye West. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Because I mean, he has some expensive clothes that he puts out with his name on them, right? Really expensive clothes <laughs> that I'm never gonna see because they're just like gone. Yeah, and Pittsburgh doesn't have a market for them. Sure, <laughs> I'm sure it's a, it's a very very small market. It's yeah, there's a market for Kanye West everywhere. <laughs> but I know I don't know I don't know much about the fashion world, but it it intrigues me. Just because it exists and people are passionate about it. Yeah. Most things that exist on a level like that just really interest me because there is an art behind it. And I right. don't always quite understand it, but I think I do. Like, I think I get it enough right. that it just intrigues me. Yeah. So, like, how long have you been working at Avalon? It'll be a year in September. Okay. There's, like, this really this, – this, this kind of this uh, funny – I'm trying to think of how to word this. So, I used to live in Squirrel Hill. Okay. Um, I kind of grew up honestly around that area. Yeah. Um, and when I was younger, I had like such a negative idea about the people that worked at Avalon <laughs> just cause it always seemed like they were just so like nose in the air. Ugh, like, like what is this? I mean, like <laughs> granted in retrospect, I was a pretty goth kid, with, like, you know, like mall goth with right. giant pants <laughs> and spiky hair. I had no business being in Avalon Exchange. <laughs> but it's just funny now to be like sitting here talking with someone who works there. Right. Even though this, I'm talking, this was like 15 years ago, probably, <laughs> that I had these feelings. Um, but I shop at Avalon now. I'm, You've gone full circle. <laughs> I, I have gone, I've gotten over it. But the idea that there's, I'm just like sitting down talking to somebody that right. works there and like a civilized man. It's like we're all humans. Yeah, absolutely. People can, there's assholes in every demographic. Definitely. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I mean, like, I'd, 
I like my coworkers, but there's some crazy people on Yelp that do not <laughs> do not love my coworkers. You know, well, it, I, okay. So <clears throat> now we're getting off on like a crazy tangent, but I'm just gonna go with it because I'll tell you what I've recorded like a hundred episodes with people about playing music. Yeah, I get it. I'm glad that you make music. Your band is awesome. Thanks, man. but I want to talk about dealing with people that bring in bags of awful clothes <laughs> do you are you one of the people that has to like sort through this shit and pick yeah. what yeah people I get and now. pick what they don't yeah all right so let's talk about that this is way more interesting to me <laughs> than any band stuff right now okay so okay like horror story you got um, anything no man uh <laughs> so there yeah there have been some things that have been found in in bags oh um, really yeah like people there, I, I don't think it was loaded, but there was like a gun in a bag one time. Whoa! Um, and people just like like there was a dildo in a bag one time, like no joke, just like in this suitcase <laughs> of clothing that somebody brought. And it's like, um, like what do you what do you do there? You know what I mean? It's like you you pull it out. No, you don't pull it out for sure. You just you look at it and you're like. He's like, oh no! He's like, leave it in the bag with, and then leave it with their stuff when they take it back. Oh, probably, definitely. Yeah. Like, it's <laughs> so I, I'm new to the buying game, okay. the buying aspect. Oh, of so it. you have to um, work your way up to that, right? Because they they like to take their time there, which makes perfect sense to me. But so I haven't gotten any like real horror stories yet, personally. But personally, yeah. but I've. I've seen some things already and I'm just like, oh man, like it's going to happen to me. Like, so one of these things, one of these days, we're going to be really busy. So when you're buying there, is this like, how much does your personal preference versus what the store's looking for play a part in this? And as far as like receiving stuff? uh, I think that's one of the biggest challenges for me, honestly, because like, I have a unique viewpoint. Everybody has a unique viewpoint on what has value and what is sort of like diminutive or whatever. Yeah. And so like I would love to say that I could just like go in there and just buy whatever I would want, but that wouldn't really be can proactive in terms of what the store does. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like the demographic isn't a bunch of me's like there's a lot of people who don't dress anything like me that go in there. And it's it's an awareness of that. And I mean, like, <clears throat> I I like the customer service aspect of retail. That's, like, the, the glowing silver lining of retail. Like, I've met a lot of cool people. And so I've gotten to know a lot of customers that come in. And I sort of, like, just try to keep them in mind when I'm buying. Like, yeah. Because you see so many people and you see so much clothing every day that you – either get like really default minded or like you just really start to go crazy and you're like, Oh, I don't know. I think, I don't know. I imagine it's probably a lot to keep up with just as far as like the constant change of what is trendy for lack of a better word. And like, cause like there's always so much that's happening and keeping up with the curve cause it's always changing too. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, one thing that's on the curve right now is, like, vintage clothing. I think more than even in the past. Like, there's a lot of, like, vintage staple pieces because, like, grunge culture is is now cool again or whatever. So it's, like, you we've seen that stuff for so long 
that at this point, that's all default. And so it's like, you have like giant flannels. We're going to buy giant flannels. That's just something that is like, it's almost cemented its way in. You know what I mean? And so like, there's a lot of stuff like that. Like you have your your like classic pieces that you're always going to buy. And then once in a while, like personal preference just totally takes over and you're like, this is going to sell to somebody. And everybody's like, no, it's not. And you're like, yes, it is. I think it will. Totally. And so it's, it's a balance of both. Um, I think I've, I think when I first got hired there, it would have been way more personal preference though, than now that I've been there for a while and I, I understand it on a a larger scale level, what we kind of need to be able to sell. Have you ever, I was just thinking about the contrast between buying and selling fashion (laughs) versus, uh, writing and creating music and being an artist, like a musician, like keeping up with the trends of music. And do you want to be the type of artist that writes to the crowd or just always do what you want to do? Like, do you want to be that sweater that you think (laughs) is really cool and you're telling everybody this is going to sell, but it sits on the rack forever? Or do you want to compromise your personal preference a little bit and go with the staple pieces as a musician? That is like, it's not, I wouldn't say it's something I struggle with. Um, but that is something I've definitely been thinking more about. And it's not, it's almost like I'm thinking more about it as in making music that like we would listen to as people. And it's not that like, it's almost like you write something naturally and then you write something with more thought behind it. And the two end up sounding very different. And you kind of go with one or the other. And to this point, like, we've always just kind of written whatever came out. Like, it sounded good. We were into it emotionally. But we've sort of sort of started working on things in a different way, uh, different methods. Sam bought a drum machine. <laughs> I mean, Patrick's synths are stacked. Yeah. Know, super high. Um, and so we're not like, we don't have anything booked right now. And we're just kind of taking this time to, to think about things, not necessarily like write anything concrete, but just think about what we listen to and just really making music that we would want to listen to. Yeah. I mean, which is, it's kind of different. It's not, not exactly what we've done to this point. I think you have a really diverse group of people. It seemed like they're all interested in a lot of different things, a lot of cool things. And that's a great thing and a bad thing at times, because whenever you're trying to create one piece of something that's all together, it's like, fuck, you know, like it's almost like going back to fashion. It's like having a ton of different cool pieces. that just don't make a good outfit. Right. And I mean, like all of us are, prone to like splaying ourselves too thin on like a variety of different projects at one time not necessarily musically but like like i've been known to work on writing pieces because that's what i got my degree in so i'll be like writing pieces and then i'm like over here working on this other conceptual thing that i've been thinking about and then i'm like 
oh, I got to be playing guitar and I have to be doing this. And then I start, I go on these like tangents where I'm like, I should buy a synth and like play more keyboards and like be <laughs> this and focus on singing more, or focus on this more. And it's, that's an aspect of it that's really unnatural and that I think we are becoming aware of. And it's kind of like, take a step back. Oh yeah. We can strip it down to bare bones and then let's build from there instead of, coming straight into it with everything and just like throwing it all up on the table. Because is there just, a main songwriter or is it kind of like a, I got an idea today and then we work from that. And then somebody else is like, I got an idea. And like, it's kind of like every, like everything's welcome on the table. Um, that's another thing that's kind of changing with this new, cause before it was always like, I sat down with a guitar. I wrote something. It was done guitar vocals. And then we built you. There. Okay. Um, now we're, uh, we're experimenting with that. Just like, even if it's just sitting around jamming, like a lot more than normal, that's, if it's creative and if it feels good, which it almost always does, it's been yielding just new things. Even if it's just one riff that we wrote together that then gets built upon to become something else it ends up sounding different than if I just wrote that one riff. Yeah. And I was like, Hey guys, here this is. Mm-hmm. And I want it. I mean, I think it makes more sense for it to be as multidimensional as everybody is as people. So to bring it all together with everything in the room happening at once, it just, it seems to come together in a more layered way. Instead of coming together as these things are on top of this thing or this thing is on top of these things. Yeah. And that mesh, that meld is really, really uh, positive, I think. Yeah. I think that that mesh is something that a lot of bands don't pay enough attention to. Yeah. You know, you'll have uh, a lot of bands with bass players that have like, oh, I'm just kind of here. Right. It's like, why? (laughs) <laughs> you you could do more than just be here right or yeah. like vocalists that uh don't pay enough attention to how their rhythms or their melodies gel with the music right it's like this is an important this is the important thing yeah. here but a lot of people don't pay attention to it yeah and i mean that's another thing it's like i've i've come to the realization that like my voice is an instrument and with that being so, I should treat writing my vocal parts as if I were writing a guitar part, as if I were writing any melody or any rhythm part. And I mean, like, Sam and I especially are really, we've always been, like, pretty rooted in listening to, like, hip-hop, R&B. Um, we love The Roots, love Kendrick, love, I've been listening to Anderson Pack a lot. Yeah. Love Anderson Pack. Um, and just... I mean, there's so much there that isn't taken into consideration, like when you think about rock music or like rock minded musicians. Totally, totally. And that's something that, like, I've always told everybody that I want to make a rap album. And I want to do it because I think it would be fun and I think it would be cool, not necessarily because I think I could make a good rap album. But I think our music is trending now in a way that takes into account things that we maybe had restricted before. Like I went out and bought a vocal processor 
because I think right now we're in a place I can actually use a vocal processor. Whereas before it was like when we first started, we sounded like Kings of Leon and we went with it. <laughs> okay. And it, that's cool. Like they, Kings of Leon played an integral part in how we came up like as a band, but I don't want to sound, I don't want to be a band that sounds like Kings of Leon forever. Cause then we're just a band that sounds like Kings of Leon. Yeah. And it's like doing something different is it's just something I think we've always aimed to do. Um, and it's another thing that's like driving this is that I want songs that I don't have to play guitar in. Okay. That's like a dream of mine is to just <laughs> not have to play guitar, which is like, I'm a guitar player. So that's weird to say, cause I love playing guitar, but at the same time, it's like, I want songs that force me to be that vocalist. You know what I mean? And so it's all of these things are just changing us and changing the music and we're kind of adapting as we go. <laughs> That's awesome. It's super exciting to hear that like, cause it's super exciting to hear because I haven't really seen a whole lot from you guys recently. Yeah. And it's good to hear that it's because we're in a, a new creative bubble making new stuff. And it's not like one of those things where like, ah, oh, we did this it didn't work out the way we wanted it to or this or that. And we're just going to say, fuck it. Right. Which yeah. happens a lot too. It does. But I mean, you can't always blame that. Like you no. can't blame people for that. No. Cause I mean, we're, how old are you? Uh, 23. Okay. You're 23. So, you know, you're gonna, you're getting into this phase now where it's like, you know, taking time to do this creative shit is like in a weird way. It's money. Time, right. is, time is money. Yeah. You're getting into that phase of your life where the, the, the you know, you, you're not just floating by anymore. You know, you got bills yeah. to pay, you got a job to be at. And if you are playing shows and practicing, you got to take time off work for those things or make schedule around it. So you exactly. want to make sure that what you're doing is worth the time and the effort. Right. right. And I mean, just paying for studio time is like, yeah. That's another thing that's like, if, if it were up to me, we'd be in the studio all the time. Sure. Like, why not? You guys don't self-record anything? Any we, demos? We do self-record demos. But that's different to me than like being in the studio and like really getting to just like fine tune and screw with stuff and sure. like get down to it and have something with like a pure clarity come out. Um, but again, with the evolution of genre, with the, the new gadgets and the new toys, what we're creating now is easier to self-record than it was before. Mm -hmm. Whether it's because it's less analog and more digitally based or just because we have a better understanding of what we want and what we're doing, I think we may be able to bust out some demos or I, I, that's, some self-recorded stuff. I think that it's really, really crucial for bands to have a way to be able to do that. Yeah. Any band, any yeah, genre, absolutely. it doesn't matter. It's so easy and obtainable now to do these things. Right. Because, you know, this, fuck, like <laughs> 10 years ago when I started getting really into music stuff, everybody didn't have a laptop. Yeah. Everybody didn't have the tech, like the, and the technology honestly just wasn't there right. to do things the way it is now. Yeah. And not only is the technology there, it's not that expensive. No. To get like some entry level recording gear is cheap. The yeah. most expensive thing that you need is a laptop. Right. And pretty much 
everybody has a laptop. Which is crazy. And it's like, <laughs> I guarantee you, at, like, at least three people in a five people group band, at least three of them have a laptop. And the two that don't probably have desktop computers. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just like, the it's there. You know, it's just a right. matter of going to Guitar Center, buying the $100 interface. Yeah. And then just learning how to work the program. Right. It's Which not that is, hard. Yeah, it's not. To think that like GarageBand, all the albums that have been recorded on GarageBand now, and just think that GarageBand just comes standard uh, on a MacBook. Yeah. Dude, like, fucking my old roommate Josh who I was in a band with, he would um, demo out ideas on his on GarageBand on his iPad. <laughs> okay, he would put the iPad on a chair in the basement, track live drums, because the mics aren't that bad. Right, yeah. He would track just live drums using the, the iPad's microphone. It wouldn't clip out. I mean, it would sound like lo-fi. Right, But it was good sure. enough, then he would just go upstairs, plug in, he had like a little like quarter inch to a USB thing, just plug that in, track, track the guitars and then do like the plugins for the effects that he wanted. And we would have like good sounding demos of the yeah, ideas. Which is and crazy. How he would write stuff. And it was like, that's so simple. Right. It's just a matter of doing it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, like I have a windows computer, so I'm kind of like, Hey, no, it's I'm I'm not I'm not dissing my computer. I love my computer, but I do not love Audacity. <laughs> There's plenty of other there things, are, but that I you need can get. I need to get something else because I was <laughs> I was like trying to demo on Audacity the other day, and I was just like, "Holy hell, this is impossible!" Sure, like, I don't I can't do this. Yeah, a lot a lot of people do know this. You probably don't know this. My main studio computer, which is this one right here. It's an old IBM tower that still runs Windows 98. Oh, my God. And that's what I track all my stuff on. Why? Because it's a great computer. Yeah. It's just held up. Oh, it's great. It's awesome. I've had less issues with that than I've had using Pro Tools. Or Right now, we're recording in Adobe Audition on my MacBook. And this works fine. But yeah. I'm telling you. You've heard you've heard the stuff. You heard the yeah. Sykes album, and I like the Sykes album. Yeah, it's, I recorded it on that thing. Can't believe that you recorded <laughs> it on. We the live drums were tracked with Matt Vary at his studio. Okay, but then I just got those stems, put them on there, and we recorded everything else on there with Windows ninety eight with Windows, still running. Yeah. That's insane. No, I don't, even, actually, I don't even remember what Windows ninety eight looks. Is it like like gray bar? Yeah, it's it's. I have it, so it's all um, monochrome, just black and white. It's very very simple. The computer runs like a champ. There's like no bullshit. That's the problem with that modern means, OS stuff. Yeah, everything always wants to update. It needs to be connected to the internet all the time to even fucking work. <laughs> and then like you got all this weird things just eating up memory. Like, do I really need my icons to? do little jigs whenever I hover <laughs> over them? No. I don't give a shit. I just like, this thing hasn't ever been on the internet at all. It's just like, so yeah. it's just like a working piece of equipment. All that's on it is my recording software and I have a Super Nintendo emulator. <laughs> but I haven't played any of the games in forever because I ended up putting the emulator on the MacBook. Oh, nice. But it's still there. Right. So, yeah. Which is Whenever yeah. people... Basically, the whole point of that 
ramble. Right. Is that sometimes people were like, oh, like I got this like Windows XP laptop. It's probably not that good. I don't know. I'm just like, it's probably better than you think. <laughs> I think a lot of people make excuses for yeah. things like why they can't do something. Yeah. And, and like you said, with the accessibility now, there isn't as much room to make those excuses. Like, if you're talented, if you know what you want, you can probably make it sound at least close just by doing it. Yeah. Just by learning. Yeah, it doesn't even matter if it sounds close or not. It's just that if you're one of those people that say like, oh, I wish I was in a band or I wish I was in the fashion industry or I wish yeah. I exercise more, whatever. <laughs> Like, don't say that shit and then not do it. Right. Because yeah. you can do it for the most part. I mean, sure, there, there might be exceptions to certain <laughs> things, but for the most part. Right. If you want to do something, seriously. No, yeah. I'm. It's, there's, I'm, you know, I, I, that uh, I think that the most important thing anybody like, or, ugh, brain fart. <laughs> um. <laughs> The most important thing that anybody needs to do anything is just genuine ambition. Before anything physical, you need to have that. I I agree. That power in your head. To clarify, you were hammering that point home and I was grinning at you and you were hammering it home even more. But I was grinning at you because I was about to bring up Kanye West again. Okay. (laughs) Um, But it is. I mean, he is an individual like for years said that he could design fashion and no one believed him. People were like, you're insane. Like, just stop trying. You are crazy. We know that. (laughs) And now like, look at this guy. He's on top. He's on top of men's fashion right now. He's coming out with stuff that's selling out in minutes. Now, like, okay, so this is a question. Yeah. In terms of somebody like a public figure as, because Kanye West was already revered. Yeah. Right? But I don't know how revered he was as a musician by the fashion industry. Right. But it's still like if those particular items of clothing would have come from no name whoever, yeah. would it be blowing up? Or is it because Kanye West's name is underneath this? Does it have an extra push? What do you think? So... Fashion's weird in that way, um, and I don't know. So the, there's been a resurgence lately of like vintage band shirts. I'm not sure if like you've seen this popping up, but like I mean, vintage- I've seen like shitty Iron Maiden fake distressed T-shirts at Urban Outfitters. That there's a reason for those <laughs> fake distressed T-shirts. There's so there's a guy, a designer out of Los Angeles named Jerry Lorenzo. The dude just started collecting vintage T-shirts. Like that was his thing. He's like, I like them. I want to collect them. All of a sudden, he starts screen printing the words fear of God on them. And next thing you know, you have this clothing line called fear of God that is made up of rare and hard to get vintage Iron Maiden, Metallica, Slayer, Nirvana, Pearl Jam. I mean, vintage t-shirts that are selling for $600 a pop. But Jerry Lorenzo himself did not have the precedence that somebody like Kanye West had. 
I mean, he was in LA, so he was in a spot where there's more market, I think, for somebody to just make a fashion line and have a platform to launch. But he exploded. I mean, his stuff is as if not more expensive than Kanye's and they're selling it like Barney's in New York, which is insane. But like, there's still kind of like an attachment to it because there was, oh, these are on Iron Maiden shirts, right? Nirvana shirts, Pearl Jam shirts. And that's that's, that platform that puts it in the eye because it's like, this is something that I already know. Yeah. But now there's a little something different. Yeah. Yeah. And in that way, I guess in a way that's kind of what fashion always is, right? Yeah, essentially. You use things that were fashionable at one time and you reinvent them and, and then you sell them again. <laughs> it's it's a, like it's very cyclic. Oh, well, I think that the world of fashion and the world of music kind of have the same they're kind of like in like a parallel like trajectory of like cycles. I don't yeah. that wasn't like the no, right way to phrase that. But like I think it's like like fashion and music always get to this point where like, you know, it starts like really simple. Right. And then like people expand upon it and build upon it, build upon it, build upon it. And then it gets to a point where everybody's just like, this is too crazy. Let's go back to basics. (laughs) And then it cuts back down. Right. Like with music, uh, you know, we went from fucking like what, like blink 182 to like new metal to like all these aggressive like hardcore metal then we started putting singing in it a little bit and then it got crazier and this Dueling, and this and this, and this and blah 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 and then all of a sudden it's like oh sounding like nirvana is cool again right reset button yeah and now like all these bands that are dubbed as pop punk bands or whatever just sound like grunge right but nobody wants to call it grunge but now i'm noticing people are starting to get comfortable with saying grunge yeah, grunge is is back yeah. in a really weird roundabout way. And, uh, but I mean, like you saw it with whatever the last two years of even like indie rock, like all of the '80s influence that was in there. Guitar players starting to sound like The Edge. Like, oh yeah, it just it it all cycles back around. You're gonna always have bands that want to sound like they're from the '60s, bands that want to sound like they're from the '70s. Bring back like the big stadium rock bands that want to sound like they're from the '80s, like The Police, The Cure, The Clash. And it's, it just, fashion works in the same way. It's in the same constraints as that. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't know why. It's, it's really weird to me, honestly. How, how connected, I know you kind of brushed on this a little before, I think, but how connected do you think music and fashion are? I think music and fashion can be extremely connected. Um, I mean, like on a, I'm not saying I'm not talking like high fashion. Right. I'm talking like everyday street fashion. Like how connected do you think it is with music? You know, I think it depends. Um, if you think about like how much, I guess you, you'd have to think about like how much the aesthetic of a band plays into things and what effect that aesthetic has on everything else in terms of the music. Because I think you get, I think you get people that sort of not to say that they get judged based upon aesthetic, but create an aesthetic for themselves to fulfill a role. And that role sometimes just happens to be an overlap with their music. And so like, if you see, it's really rare that you see a punk rock band where they're all wearing like Hawaiian shirts and khaki shorts. Cause that's not punk rock. 
but why is it punk rock to wear, like wear ripped jeans and ripped t-shirts? You know what I mean? Yeah. That's just like an aesthetic that was created with, you know, old school punk rock and has just become a prolonged thing and survived in that sort of way. And so I think that, that the aesthetic can be tied very closely, but it's all about just identity and like really trying to identify with certain cliques or certain norms that are like constraints in some ways of like what you want to do with music. You know what I mean? Uh huh. It's just kind of thinking about like going back to, I mentioned before, like I've seen you wearing some, like <laughs> some pretty exciting pants yeah. and whatnot. And so, but I mean, like I feel like most of the time I've seen you in exciting outfits has been at shows. Yeah. I don't really catch you on your day to day too often. <laughs> Are you some, do you dress up for shows or is this just like, Oh, this is what I was wearing today. I used to be like a lot more dress up for shows. <laughs> like I used to like bring like extra shirts and stuff and like go into the bathroom and change right before we went on. Um, but I've kind of gone away from that. Like it's, and I don't know why, but like my, my day to day outfits aren't that different whether they be like ridiculous or mundane like they're not that different from something that i would just wear on stage regardless uh-huh um and so like like i could walk into work wearing something ridiculous nobody would really bat an eye probably because <laughs> going back to avalon and working there <laughs> how much of like it's like the process of getting hired there Obviously, I think that like your sense of fashion and style probably plays some sort of a role in this. Like, what type of questions and things like that do they ask? Is it just like, I how mean, does this work? They they ask for you to know about like current trends and currencies and fashion and stuff like that. And I was like, I wasn't a regular customer there because I wasn't living in Pittsburgh. Um, but I was like semi-regular, like they recognized me enough. Um, and I think like when I dropped my resume off, like my hair was in a man bun or something. So it's like, like I was current, you know what I mean? Like I was, I was a contemporary staple of fashion, whatever. Yeah. Um, and so, but it's, it's not necessarily like that you have to dress a certain way. Like there was never like a pressure on me to be like, listen, if you don't look like this or look oh, sure, like that, sure, sure. Um, it was, it was pretty much just like, you know, we ask our employees to just keep an eye out for what's going on currently in fashion. Like, do you know like what's going on in fashion right now? And I was like, yeah, I think so. Like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I know. I have kind of a different desired fashion probably than most people in Pittsburgh, but like I can, I can understand what they want. Like, uh -huh. and so it's, it's not as much about the aesthetic that I built for myself. Um, as just like, Hey, like you're dressed well, just know that other people want to be dressed well in a different way. And mm -hmm. as long as you can keep up with that, you'll be fine. And I was like, okay, <laughs> cool. Yeah. Now, aesthetics and bands. That's yeah. like combining these two here. Because that's something that a lot of bands do. Is they need to have like a certain aesthetic and look. Right. <laughs> is this something that you've ever really no. been super concerned with? 
No. Um, it's like, I mean, I, I buy and wear the clothes that I want and like, um, and you wish for everybody else in your band to be the same. It's, but I mean, like, it's, I don't at the same, like, like Patrick, Patrick's not nearly into clothes. I mean, Patrick or Sam, not nobody's as into clothes in the William Forrest (laughs) ether as I am. Yeah. Like it's and like, you're not upset about that. Um, no, I'm not. Like, I don't care. It's, uh, they dress how they dress. And people people really weirdly regularly tell us that, like, we all have different styles, but it just works when we're on stage together, which I'm like, I'm totally about. I'm like, hell yeah, that's that's what you want to hear. It doesn't look like we're coming from different places. And I don't, I don't necessarily think it would matter if we did look like we were coming from different places. No. Because I've never intentionally, like, thought – all right guys we all have to wear the same color shirt tonight we have to wear the same color pants tonight like we should wear matching shoes tonight if we if i wear a backwards hat you guys have to wear forwards hats like it's never been that kind of thing where like i'm like let's curate a look for tonight i just i don't know why that's just doesn't that doesn't seem like a pressing need when i'm talking about music maybe it is i don't know (laughs) I think in some avenues it is, depending on, like, what tier of a band you want to be. Right. As far as, like, how much of the part do you want to play of uh, being, like, a... I don't want to use the word manufactured, but, I mean, once you start getting into that sort of thing with your band, like, coordinating outfits or stage setups and uh, all these things, it's... Yeah. You're you are manufacturing. Yeah. And that's absolutely. not always a bad thing. No, 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 no. I mean manufacturing it's a version of creation. Yeah. Which is what we're all doing. Uh-huh. Um, but that's the aesthetic has just never been like a concern. Maybe it's I just believe that we all look cool. <laughs> Maybe it's an internal thing and I'm just like, you know what? Like we're fine on that front. Like if a label came knocking, they'd be like, Yeah, you guys look cool. Like that's good for you. Now, can you play music? Because, like, that's the part that I think about a lot more. It's the music side of it and, like, what identity we're creating for ourselves with the music. Because people love to identify you based on your music. They love to draw comparisons. They love genres, which is something that I don't really like all that much. Yeah. It just, like, freaks me. I hate, like, people ask me what genre I play. I'm like, I don't know. If I tell you indie rock, like, what's the first thing you're going to think of? You know what I mean? And, like, is it the same thing that I want you to be thinking of when I'm trying to explain to you what I'm trying to do? I I used to have that problem for a while. But, see, now you're in hip-hop. I've gotten over cool. <laughs> I've gotten over it. But even still, like, as a hip-hop artist on the surface, right? you know, it's a little bit weirder than that depending on some things you know yeah yeah, yeah so it's like sure. oh i i got so what do you do i do rap you know i do hip-hop sometimes i have a band sometimes i don't <laughs> oh so is it like uh like the like the roots and i'm like eh, it's like a, it's a little bit more aggressive than that and they're like <laughs> oh so it's like like rage against the machine and i'm like well it's not quite as rocky yeah is that it's a little bit a little <laughs> bit more electronic I don't know. And then like, you know, like, oh, so like, like heavier stuff, like, like, like odd future or like death grips. And I'm like, eh, well, it's not quite that <laughs> intense. 
It's somewhere in the middle of all of that. Right. You know, if you put, if you had a, a triangle and you put <laughs> death grips, rage against the machine and the roots and then stuck me in the middle. That's not a bad place. It's not a bad triangle to be in the middle of. No, for sure. <laughs> it's not. But it's a thing a lot of people sometimes just, they just kind of want to hear like, oh, I do hip hop. Yeah. So, and they definitely do. I try to just like gauge who I'm talking to. And if it's somebody that I want to have the, the full conversation with, maybe I'll get a little deeper. Right. But if I'm like at the bar and it's a passing or it's a fucking Uber driver asking <laughs> me what I do, which sometimes I, most of the time, if somebody asks me what's going on, like I've taken my gear to shows in an Uber and people <laughs> ask me what I do. And I'm like, oh, it's my friend's stuff. I'm just taking it to their house. Even though you're dropping me off at a venue. It's just like, I don't feel like talking to right. you about this. Yeah. I, so, which I kind of get. Everybody knows some guy that's in a band. Like, yeah. oh, you're in a band. Oh, oh you know, Ricky. You know, <laughs> you, you know, Ricky, he lives out in Shaler. He play, he plays in, he plays in the, in the toads. <laughs> you know him? He does music. I'm like, no, I never heard. Oh, uh, you, you two got to link up. I got to get you two, <laughs> got to get you two together. Yeah. I haven't and had like, that's much good intention, that. but it's, uh, but I, I know exactly what you mean though. And it's like, so, so my attitude towards genres is very solid, but I have come up with like an array of bullshit answers that I can tell people to get out of having the conversation about why I don't like genres and how I don't want to be pigeonholed and all like all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and so that's true. I do gauge like, the conversation and who we're talking to and like what we're going to talk about. If it's just somebody in passing that like has no actual interest in me as a musician, I'm like, I'm a rock star. <laughs> How's it going? Yeah. I sing. And they're like, cool. I'm like, yeah. And that's the end of it. Um, but if it's somebody that's like genuinely interested, like I'll delve very deeply as we kind of have here and telling them like, I want to push boundaries. I want to make a rap album that's also not a rap album. And I want it to be R&B because I want to have all of those smooth rhythms. And I want it to groove, but I don't want it to groove too much because I still want to have the aggression of organics and get into that whole conversation. And then I'll let them decide what genre I'm in for themselves. And yeah. I won't have to tell them a genre. Because <laughs> uh-huh. it's a tough conversation for me. It's really not one that I love having. And I think it's maybe because we've been compared to so many different things. Oh, yeah. That it's like, at this point, I don't know. I don't know what genre I'd put myself in. Like, Yeah, I mean, I guess I can relate to that, too, because people are always telling me I sound like different things. And it's like, yeah. well, there's a there's a huge, there's a, a huge bubble of influences that go into the music. That exactly. But then also... Every time I'm putting out different projects, I'm trying to make, I'm trying to access different points of those influences. Yeah. So then it makes it even more confusing. Yeah. So and I like, mean, like, I have like the Sykes and the New Violence album, which is a lot different than the collaboration I just did with Trash Bag, which is a lot different, which than is going to be a lot different than the Sykes Grey Walker. stuff that I'm doing. Or, yeah, I mean, that's a whole nother. But I mean, beast, that, but, but yeah. it has to play into it. I mean, you're also in like heavy screamy bands which like old fears was also heavy and screamy and you guys had like 
400 two-minute songs or something absurd <laughs> like that. Yeah. And that, I mean, that has to play in in some level because that's that's you that's come up with both of these things. Mm-hmm. And I just think there has to be a bleed there, which is a positive thing in my opinion. There is. It's more than it was. Um, there was before I was in the first metal band that I joined, which was Ascend the Fallen. Um, I had already put out two Sykes albums. Oh, wow. I did not. And I was working on my third album. Okay. Um, and that third album, I was like, I'm tired of not being in a band and I want to have all these influences. <laughs> so like that, I put everything I ever wanted to do into one thing. Like it goes like, from rap into metal, there's like time structures and key changes, <laughs> like seven and a half minute long songs. Like it's really interesting, but it's also a nightmare. Yeah. It's like, it's a perfect example of just too much being right. thrown into the pot. Like I said earlier, having all those pieces, not yeah. making a good outfit. Yeah. That's what happened there. But fortunately I like joined a metal band and like started, I, found a way to like subdivide everything and like yeah put the put the right amount of influence into each thing right. rather than putting it all into everything in the, yeah <laughs> it was way too much <laughs> yeah i mean that's that's another thing it's listening to so many different types of music and consuming so many different types of music and types of art and it's when we go to write songs once in a while it's just like what is this and it takes shape but when you're starting it and you have that feeling of like where is this gonna go that used to be really daunting to me and i think i find comfort in it now a lot more than i used to yeah because i like not knowing where it's gonna go from where it starts because that means that it's going to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And that's cool. Yeah, like, I've it's... always written songs very step by step. I never have like a full idea sort of realized. Right. It's always like very meticulous with each little part. So I like watch it build <laughs> part by part rather than being like. Because I guess I think that just comes to from me being primarily an electronic musician like i don't sit down with a guitar and write a song you know it's like i'm like composing stuff on like a grid and already have things like in a time you know i'm starting yeah on there so i think it just like allows me to like copy and paste stuff around and start right understanding like where it's gonna go right because it's the thing it's like back we're talking about you know, recording your own music yeah. and stuff like that. Ten years ago, when I started getting into all this shit, the only way for me to really even write songs was to record them, being yeah. like being an that's electronic musician. Because right. that was it. That, that so that was like the the songwriting process for me is literally recording the <laughs> demos. It's not like me just sitting there like right with a guitar or yeah, and you know another instrument. Right. So it's like I have a whole different mindset. And sometimes when I'm talking to people that don't have that background, I forget. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, it is. And do you ever write verse first or are you always beats first? Um, or do you mix it up? 
I try now to compose the beats and then write the lyrics to the beat so I can have like, we talked about this before with vocals matching up with the rhythms right. of the songs. Being I'm, I'm really into matching rhythms and just having yeah. it sound like it gels together and not Without being a like doubt. a random verse just on top of <laughs> a beat. Because right. I mean, hip hop is simple. It's 4-4. Four, four. <laughs> the verse structures are always typically the same amount of length. You could take any beat and then just have your verse that's pull any verse, slow it down, speed it up. Maybe right. it'll just, it'll, it'll fit right in and you can make it work. Yeah. But I can tell when someone does that versus somebody writing to a beat. Yeah. You know, I Without like to, yeah, dude, I like to, I preferably like to have the beat written. Then I write a verse to it. Then I go back and I like change little drum hits and things to accent different things right. in the verse. And put it together. But then sometimes there is a verse that's written already or like parts of verses, like certain lines yeah. that are just kind of in the back burner and like it plops right in or right. like, it's- or like it'll 75% plop in. I have to change a couple things <laughs> right. around. So it's, it depends. Yeah. But right now with the new psych stuff that I'm working on, pretty much everything has been music first and writing specifically to the music. And I did that for the trash bag stuff too. Like I wrote all specifically Which, yeah, to the music. Yeah. And I know you had talked to me because you were cutting up their song and building a beat out mm-hmm. of these little bits yeah. of their stuff. Which, I mean, obviously you kind of had to go. But when you were building the beat, like what wh- – when did it click? You know what I mean? Like did you hear the trash bag song and you were like, I know what I want this beat to sound like? Or were you kind of just like – not I'm going to put this here and this here and let's see what happens. You know, honestly, it was like I went through all of the stems. Like I went through just the bass and I was just like pulling like random, like just random parts. <laughs> just like, okay, like I know what timing this is in. Right. But if I need to speed it up or slow it down, I can in the program. Just like pulling random stuff. Just had like a whole library. And then like I would just start making drum beats out of like the hits and then uh just start like throwing in some random bass parts and like okay that doesn't work that kind of works and then changing it from there right so it's kind of like just laying down the drum rhythms and then starting to put these bass samples on top of it and tweak it from there just get it so it was in time and then it sounded cool so it wasn't like it's not the type of situation where it's like i have an idea for a specific rhythm or melody right i'm catering to these the stuff that's already there so it's a lot of like trial and error (laughs) that just sounds like so painstakingly meticulous yeah (laughs) but i've done a lot of stuff like that before right um, this was probably like the first time I was able to do it with something that was totally my own. Cause I've done, or not my own, but something that I had like legal right to right. be sampling. Right. Cause like I've chopped up and sampled a ton of different stuff. And, um, even on other, um, actually in, um, recordings that I've done for bands that I've been in, just like going in and fixing drum fills that were fucked up and stuff yeah. like that. Like that's all stuff like chopped up and moved stuff around and Did you have to get permission to use the Luda? Or did you re We re recorded that. that. Did you? Yeah. I wondered about that. Yeah. And I mean I I 
I originally tried to sample it, but the tempo and the key of the song are different. Which is crazy. That's so weird to think about. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's very it's very very minimal. We're right. talking, you know, a few BPM, but they don't they don't line up. Or my original idea, like on the original original demo, I had like a time stretched, somewhat corrected version of <laughs> that, just as a place marker. Right. But then it was just like we're on. We'll just redo this. Yeah. Because I want, I wanted it to sound like clean yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and there's I think- an and there's another older song that i used that sampled an acoustic version of zombie by the cranberries <laughs> really yeah and uh i had the sample in there for a long long time but it was another situation where it was just like a little off from right. the rest of the song i ended up having somebody come in and actually sing it <laughs> and then which just is kind of replaced it again talking about accessibility like that's crazy to think that like it's that easy to just get somebody to come in and replace oh, a part of a cranberry song <laughs> you know what i mean like that's well i think that kind of like wrapping up well we can wrap up this conversation now because i think we're yeah we're good we've, we've, <laughs> we've gone well over the mark but this has been a good one yeah good um, i'm glad what i will wrap up with is it's really important to build a network of talented people yeah and don't be afraid to ask them to collaborate with you on stuff yeah. you know if you got an idea for something and you want to do it you know just reach out you know it's right. one of those things where anytime i meet somebody it's almost like i catch i feel like almost kind of malicious sometimes <laughs> in a way because like i'll meet somebody that's like i'm gonna network this guy like someone yeah that's a thing it's like i'll meet somebody and it's like oh like what what do you do and they're like like I'm like a fire dancer and I like do weird stuff and it's like the first thing in my head is like how can I put them in a video? <laughs> it's and it, no, it, but it's like I, but I don't mean it in like it's in not like a, a way that I want to use them. It's, it's mutually beneficial, and yeah. I know that line of thinking because I've done that before where I meet somebody and I'm like, oh man, this person could do this great. Like oh, I should just I should just. Well, then, take you with me let's yeah. go like yeah that's we're gonna thing. start working on this idea right now yeah and you know and i'll see people like oh like or like someone looking for a singer to be on a song yeah or someone to shoot a video for them and this and that and it's just like well over the past however many years that i've been meeting people and blah 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 it's like anytime i need to do something it's just like i think of the people right. that i've met exactly but how do you meet people you go out there yeah. and you be a part of the yeah. fucking scene without. Yeah. It's not that hard. You don't got to go to every show, right? You don't have to constantly be present everywhere. Yeah. But make some presence. Yeah. And, and talk to people. Yeah. A lot of people, Oh, there's no scene. There's nothing to do. Blah, blah, <laughs> blah, 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 blah. I can't do this. I can't do that. And it's just like, you're just being lazy. Yeah. I'm making excuses. <laughs> no but yeah i mean that's a huge part of the scene and it's like the i mean the first time we met i saw you at uh your album release show yeah and the first thing that i had to ask you was if you would play our ep release yeah i I remember that i was like this is this is perfect i was like this is what i want for our ep release show because i don't want it to be unit genre. i was like i want it to be a multitude of genres and we ended up being able to do that. 
and it's that was a lot of fun it was a lot of fun and that <laughs> but that there is a timidity to it and I, there, there's 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 some nepotism in pittsburgh for sure and there's like some closed-mindedness in terms of thinking about collaboration and i mean like people are just gonna have to get over it and uh, it's it's not that hard to do yeah it's a good city it's a nice place to be. There's also like this very small part of me though that's kind of like, well, if nobody else wants to take advantage of all the creative <laughs> elements that are around here, I you guess are. I'll just leave them for myself <laughs> and fuck all y'all. So Good you night. Have all of them. Yeah. Good night. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for coming over. Thank you for and doing this me. shit. And yeah, well, we can wrap up this conversation now. I'll be sure to tell people to go check out your band and stuff. Sounds good. All right. And we are done. And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. This was a good one. This was a good one. I like Brandon a lot. And I like his band a lot. So be sure to check them out if you haven't heard them. Links in the description blah 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 I'll be back again sooner than you think with another episode same time same place same channel you know the drill my name is Sykes start the beat 2016 whoop woo thanks for listening <laughs>